And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. I hope everybody had a great 4th of July. I realize there's a lot going on in the world of college sports, NIL, Supreme Court ruling, fallout, different rules changing, all that sort of thing. But, you know, what's going to happen very, very soon, like in about, I don't know, seven weeks, there's going to be college football played in front of people by teams that had spring practice. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. It's going to feel like a normal college football season. So we need to start talking about that because we got win totals for the season that are, some of them look really weird. And so I bring in Ari Wasserman because he's the one who looks at win totals and is like, oh, no, that's completely wrong. Oh, no, jump all over that. And I sent him the totals from BetMGM, and he's like, we have to talk about this. And I said, yes, we do, because there's going to be football played. We can talk about all the rules changes later. Football is coming, guys, and we got to talk about how many games your team is going to win or not win and how much you know, Vegas thinks they're going to win, which Ari, should we even say as, as I'm staring at you in your, your win Las Vegas hat, like, should we call it Vegas anymore? Cause that really Vegas. It's just sort of everywhere now. <laughs> yeah, it is everywhere. Um, it is kind of strange. It's like, Oh, we're going to get to talk about actual, the actual sport this week. Um, and talk about teams and players and how good we think they're going to be. Or that's like, how long has it been since we've had a what? conversation like this, like six months? It feels like it. it. I think we've sprinkled some in here and there, but it feels like it's been forever. And this one, you and I were texting back and forth before we started recording, and I sent you some lines, and you said, okay, these are the ones we need to to do. And I said, yeah, Clemson's really interesting. And I think you thought I thought it was interesting for a different reason, and you were ready to come breathe in fire. But let's let's start with Clemson, because I feel like the, the high-end ones are, are – just as interesting as as the mid ones and the the is this team going to bounce back? This Clemson one feels easy to me. Eleven and a half. Clemson's over under is eleven and a half. They open with Georgia and Charlotte, and then they play their usual ACC schedule. They they close with South Carolina. Eleven and a half, which means they cannot lose if you want to cash the over. Because this doesn't count the ACC championship game or anything like that. So they cannot lose if you want to cash the over. Ari, this feels like a pretty easy one. Like, either they're going to lose to Clemson or some random ACC game. That feels like more than a 50-50 proposition to me. Yeah, you you initially told me that you thought that 11.5 was easy money, but that's all you said. And I thought you meant the over. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> I, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, but you look at their schedule and 
they're going to they're, they're open up with Georgia, which everybody knows. September 4th, 6.30 p.m., ABC, be there. Um, and that, I think, is a three-point spread right off the bat. And that, to me, feels like a coin flip. Um, but when you look at the ACC schedule, what game, if you're there looking at Clemson's schedule right now, scares you? I mean, are you scared about the home game? I mean, they get BC, tricky game, I guess, Florida State at home. Um, but I don't see any game there that, you know, you would circle on the schedule heading into the season thinking like, okay, they got to be careful. Ari, nobody circled at Syracuse on a Friday night. No, no, I know, either. I know. But like, yeah. I, it, it, to me, it kind of feels like. The, at the NC real- State, BC. Those, those would be the two that I'd worry about a little bit about. Versus Pitt. In Pittsburgh. We're not talking about Pitt on this podcast this year. Well, uh, listen, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the, I'm the one who had to eat mayonnaise because of Pitt. But I I don't know. Maybe 10th-year starter Kenny Pickett has something for him. Yeah. I have no idea. The, the question I think here isn't so much about the – I think I would take the under here because um, this is all about whether or not we believe that they're going to be Georgia. And I think actually, they're going to lose just, to Georgia. That's why I say pick the under. I that's, would just bet the Georgia game. why. What I would do yeah. is I would just bet the Georgia game and take the points because the odds would probably be better um, than the odds would be for the whole season. If, if you like, what do you think? Let me ask you this: Clemson wins the Georgia game. What do you think mm-hmm. the odds are that they drop one of those other games in the ACC? Because I would oh, say that then, it's fairly then your low. odds of cashing that bet go way, way, way down. Way down right. Way so down. that's kind of the reason why you're at that position right now. You're basically given odds. Uh, for the season total, because nobody thinks they're going to lose a regular season game. And we know upsets happen. Crazy stuff happens. Yep. It, you know, it doesn't need to be said. But you're basically betting that they're going to beat Georgia. So I would just pick which game you like the most and or which side you like the most of this bet. And then I would just take the Georgia game. And part of the thing, too, would be uh, you could you could take the over um, and then bet Georgia plus three and try to cash a middle there. A, a little close, a uh, little close. Win that isn't three points, you know, win by two somehow, and that, then you're, you're one, over and, bets and alive. I kind of wonder is that how much is that line going to move for the game between now and the game? Pro- yeah, probably a lot. So the question I have is how good do you think Clemson's going to be this year? I think they'll be very good on defense. I don't know what they're going to be on offense. We saw DJ Uyangalale against Boston College and, and Notre Dame last year. He's obviously very good. The, the offense is different, though. I mean, he's not Trevor. He, he's not Trevor Lawrence as a thrower, but he is a massive human being who could get you some yards on the ground if you need it. it. It's actually not so much me worrying about DJ taking over the offense as who's he throwing to, who's his go-to guy. Losing Travis Etienne, I think, is the the thing that that hurts Clemson more than anything else. Uh, and, and losing Amari Rodgers because you know when Justin Ross went down before last season – it essentially made Amari Rodgers the only established receiver. And he did a great job, but he's gone. And then Etienne took over and, and caught a bunch of passes. Cornell Powell caught a bunch of passes. All gone. So somebody's got to step up, you know, whether it's a, a Joe a Joe, who I wrote about as a recruit, uh, who had that one crazy touchdown last year where, where it's like, oh, this guy could be pretty. But you don't know. And then and then Nagata is, is a very impressive physical specimen, but but you don't know. Now, if Justin Ross is healthy and playing, I think that makes DJ's life a heck of a lot easier. But you're not going to, more than likely not going to have someone as dynamic as ETN in the backfield. So 
it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I, I think they will be good. Will they be as good as last year's team or as, or as I mean, look, this is a team that, that has made the playoff each of the last five years. The best team they had in that, that time was that 2018 team when Lawrence was a freshman, but that defensive line was all seniors. They're going to have a really good defensive line again. I mean, this, this defensive line, uh, Brian Brisset and, and Tyler Davis, those dudes don't grow on trees. We're about eight minutes into the podcast, and I'm already probably going to give you the sound clip. Are you ready? The the preview sound clip. Do it. Do it. Clemson. Uh, let me preface it before I go there because uh, I don't want oh. people to go nuclear. I'm gonna, let me preface oh, come it. on. Dabo Sweeney, in my opinion, and his staff are the best talent evaluators in college football. They've gone. They've done the thing that nobody else has been that. able to do. They've gone from solid program to elite program. That's the hardest thing. We've discussed that a lot. That's the hardest jump. And they've done that somehow without recruiting like Alabama does. Right. They're not signing 12 or 13 until recently, for the most part. Last year, um, you know, they finished with the number five class. You know, they've had multiple good classes back to back now. But for the grand scheme of Dabo's time at Clemson, they've been in the, you know, five to 10 range, which is a lot different than what Alabama and the Ohio State and Georgia are doing. Um, but last year, they were number four in the team talent composite rankings, and I anticipate when those get released and the transfers and the dust settles, all that, that they'll be somewhere in that range again. But at a certain point, I'm wondering what the sustainability of re- recruiting the way that Clemson has been recruiting while also staying completely up to par with what Alabama is presenting, because that's kind of like walking a little bit of a tightrope for me, right? Well, he, or what Georgia is presenting. Because Georgia has been recruiting on a similar level to Alabama the last four years. Better in some cases. So when when Clemson steps on the field against Georgia in week one, Clemson um, is not going to be the more talented team from a physical recruiting ranking talent standpoint. And that's not something that's going to be happening to Clemson anytime soon after that game is over. So – the expectation for me is, is is Georgia, or at least from a Georgia standpoint, is that they're supposed to have one of the best teams that Kirby Smart's had and is a legitimate national championship contender. And it's like if Clemson gets past that, then Clemson is going to be what they've been the last five years again this year. But I have – so here's the take that I, I prefaced. I am somewhat expecting a Clemson step back this year. A step back could mean 11-1 and one or 10-2, and two, though. Yeah, well, that's right. the type of – I'm not I mean, saying like a six that's, and that's six just, year. No, I'm not an idiot. Literally as I far mean, back – I don't think they can go any further back than 10 and 2. What I I'm really saying – how about I say it this way? I don't think – I think there's a chance Clemson misses the playoff this year. Interesting. Very interesting. That, and that's a Would step you mean back the whole ACC misses it? Right. Yeah. Yeah, which is possible. Um, I think Florida State's going to be a very improved team. I don't think that – I mean, their defense was so – it was a horror flick, you know, last year. I don't know that you can I, fix that I in one year. I don't have a lot of confidence in Florida State to beat Clemson. So Yeah, I don't either. Uh, but I do think, you know, it's possible, too, that they they take a step back and they lose to Georgia, and then they have kind of an ugly year. They get through the ACC, make the playoff as a one-loss team. And that would still almost technically be a step back if they if they lose their semifinal game again. But with the talent that they've lost, when you think about it, Clemson is the only team, or since the beginning of the recruiting rankings in 2000, there have only been three national champions that have won a national championship without signing a top five class in some one of the previous four seasons. Clemson did it twice, but they had Deshaun Watson one time, and they had Trevor Lawrence another time. 
And then the other one and was. They have DJ Uyunglele this yeah, time. I know, I, and I understand that. But I'm not necessarily sure that Clemson wasn't. Um, and the other one, by the way, was Auburn with Cam Newton. So you can see the trend there. Yeah. Um, yes. But when you look at DJ, he has Trevor Lawrence sized shoes to fill. And even if he is only 70% as good in terms of production, you're putting more pressure on other positions on that team to make up that slack. And right now, when you look at the other players that they've lost, when you talk about, you know, a pretty solid running back, right? In, in Travis yeah. Etienne. Sol- We're no, not no. sure exactly. The best running back in ACC history. Yeah, that was averaged seven yards a carry for over four years. And caught, and caught 49 passes, passes yeah. last year. That, and and <laughs> like, solid was sarcasm if people didn't pick up yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then I, we're I, not at 100% sure that Justin Ross is going to be 100% himself if he returns, right? Like, I don't. what's the status right. with him right now? We're still on the fence to see where he, where he's going to be. Waiting waiting to see, but very hopeful he can play and, and be close to 100%. Yeah, so their defensive line is nasty. Their defense should be nasty. But if Clemson's offense isn't 100% what we've come ex- to expect them, especially because it's been a long time since, you know, Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence wasn't catching, you know, the, the snaps, I think that there's a chance that Clemson can still be very, very good. But maintaining that level of elite no doubt about it. Wire to wire college football so, playoff so could team. This, I, this, could this could be, be similar. I just don't know if you can sustain that, Andy. Can you sustain being as good as you are for as long as they've been in terms of being a three in that group of three or four teams that is an automatic playoff bid when you're not signing the same type of classes that the other people in those classes are signing? As, as long as you've got the QB. So what you're saying is, is this maybe is a team that is similar to the the 2017 team with Kelly Bryant at quarterback, which by the way, dropped the random game at Syracuse, but was the number one seed in the playoff and then got destroyed by Alabama in the sugar bowl. So yeah. I, I think I understand exactly what you're saying. That is, that is probably the type of team you're predicting here. I don't know. I think DJ is a little more dynamic than that, but I understand the concern. The, the, the type of team I'm predicting is somewhere um, above Somewhere considerably above above average, but not in the same playing field as the three teams that are no doubt about it, wire to wire playoff teams from start to finish. And maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe they'll beat Clemson. Or I mean Georgia week one, and then this won't even be a discussion. But if they lose to Georgia week one, you'll you'll see them throughout the year. If they drop another game, then that is a step back. But let me ask you this: Would you account this as a step back for Clemson? If Clemson loses to Georgia in a close game, they make mm-hmm. they run the table in the ACC, make the make the playoff as a one loss ACC champ, and then get their doors blown off or lose considerably in the first round or the semifinal of the playoff. Is that a step back? They will consider it a step back. That's what I because think it'll, is the most likely be the, scenario. It would, right, it would be the second year in a row that they got beaten badly in the semifinal, and they would consider that to be a step back. They 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 would they want to be competitive in the semifinal again, maybe get to the national title game, win the national title, obviously. But yes, I would. And that's, it's crazy. That we're talking about because this. the bar is because so I, high already. Right. I remember, right. I remember pre 2008, like the, yeah. the idea that we're saying this about Clemson, that the standard is that high. Well, I mean, Dabo said it, he put it on the wall. The standard yeah. is best. And, 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 and that's what he's created. So, if they aren't the best, they're below the standard, 
and that would be considered a setback. So yes, I agree. Now they, let's they, move on to another. I just, I'm sorry. I know we're going a little bit long. I just want to say this so I don't yeah. get a bunch of hate mail and harassment from Clemson fans. They are recruiting really, really well, and they are really, really good. But there are two things that are possible here. Dabo is the best talent evaluator and one of the best coaches in the sport, and in the same breath, a step behind Nick Saban, or you can't sustain the level of success that they've had with how they've been recruiting. Both of those things can't be true at the same time, and we're going to find out, I think, this year which one it is. I, I think that's a very fair statement that will still get you hate mail. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's stay in the ACC. I swear this isn't going to be an all ACC podcast, but this one just jumped off the screen when I was looking on the BetMGM app and North Carolina over under 10. Like when Mac Brown got hired, could you have imagined that three years later we'd be taught, or I guess we're two years out from him actually being hired, that we'd be talking about a team that not only will it win double-digit games, but how how far over 10 will it be? Yeah, I'm at the Elite 11 in a hotel room in L.A. right now, and Sam Howell's been one of the counselors here, and the kid's a stud, you know, plain yeah. and simple. But And, and the one no thing question. that we, both, we have to mention before we go down the rabbit hole too far here is that Clemson doesn't play North Carolina this year, and North Carolina misses Clemson in the regular season. So that is absolutely something that you know has to be taken into account when it comes to those things. But when, when you see this, this schedule and you see this number, Andy, and it, I want to point out a three-game stretch on this schedule, and you tell me okay. if it's not going to yeah. be won or lost in that three-game stretch. October okay. 9th, home against Florida State. Following mm-hmm. week, home against Miami. And then October 30th at Notre Dame. That's a pretty tough three-game stretch. I will will add November 6th against Wake Forest in a non-conference game. Let's let's throw Wake Forest in there because, honestly, I know Florida State beat them last year, but I still don't know what Florida State's going to be this year. I still, you know, I I rewatched that game, I don't know, because I'm a glutton for punishment, a few weeks ago. And it was one of those everything that could go wrong went wrong for North Carolina early, and they just couldn't get it back. So – I'm not as worried about Florida State, but Miami definitely, Notre Dame definitely. And that's, I mean, you can't lose both of those and, and cash the over. Yeah. So, and I, and, and then even if they, if they, so what does it come down to? Because they open up at Virginia Tech on September 3rd. 
uh, on the road, and that's a Friday night game. You know, you never know. Those games are, are, could potentially be close. Well, that, that's one. I mean, we could go down a real rabbit hole here because let's say North Carolina comes in and just blows the doors off of Virginia Tech in Blacksburg with everyone watching because that's that is that Friday night that they will be the the game everyone's watching. If they crush them, the Justin Fuente stuff's going to go crazy at that point. Yeah. But and and remember, Virginia Tech was one of the teams that North Carolina ran for over 9 yards a carry against last year. And I know what you're going to say, both those backs are gone, their best receivers are gone, but guess who's still there? Sam Howell, offensive coordinator Phil Longo, and the entire offensive line. So they, they bring in Ty Chandler as a grad transfer from Tennessee. Ty Chandler's going to run for a billion yards this year. Yeah. And, and it, it may start me, in Blacksburg. And, and the thing that I will say um, is that the general baseline talent level of North Carolina is completely different in a two-year period than it was in the previous three before Mac Brown came in. And, like, you have Tony Grimes, who was a five-star cornerback. Like, that is an elite-level talent that would be on a Clemson defense. In fact, Clemson wanted that, and so did everybody else. And you're starting to see them pick up, you know, five-star defensive end Keyshawn Silver off the top of my head. And, and these guys are young. You know, Grimes uh, changed his uh, eligibility so that he could leave high school a year early to play. So this is his second year, and Silver is going to be first year. But, like, these guys have the talent baseline that you need to be in that 10-win realm. And as the years go on and Matt continues to do this, I think that this is going to be the reality of it. Now, the question is, is whether or not you think they can do it, you know, and that's what this I think this season is a a benchmark to see, like, when is that major step going to be taken forward? And I know that there have been some high hopes for the Tar Heels and last year didn't go the way that they had hoped. I don't know how much of this that you I still am struggling with how much you can wipe away because of COVID. You know, that that's so, the thing. Uh, it's like good teams yeah. didn't have, don't ever talk about COVID, but. Teams that have bad seasons, it's always COVID. And it's just like, how much of an excuse is that really? Um, so I'm not going to use it as an excuse. And I'm going to say this is a year three and this is the time to, to make a big jump. And, you know, honestly, I think that the, this bet, if I had to guess, is going to push. I So Ari, I, I was, when I looked at it first, because the idea of seeing a double digit number next to North Carolina in an exercise like this just is shocking to my brain. It's just, you're just not used to that. So my initial thought was, it's got to be the under. But I'm looking at the schedule. I might actually take the over. You know why? Because we're, we're worrying about Miami. But Miami was another one of those teams that they ran. They ran for over 10 yards a carry against Miami last year. Miami could do nothing to stop them. And so I'm not as worried about Miami beating them. Like Notre Dame, I think they're going to lose that game. They're, it's in South Bend. That's that's what I'm kind of writing off. But I get a gimme. I need them to win 11. So you're counting on them to not lose a game that they they shouldn't. And like that's hard enough to do when you're talking about Clemson. Well, here's okay. So where's the, the the thing is the game they shouldn't lose. They're not they're not playing a ton of teams that can beat them in the game. They shouldn't lose. Florida State is is one of those. We know that because we saw Florida State beat them last year in a game they shouldn't have lost. But they match up well against Miami. They match up well against Virginia Tech. Wake, that one could be tricky. Wake's going to be good this year. Wake's going to be old, talented. Like Wake is going to beat somebody they're not supposed to beat. So that that one might be the one. At NC State to close the year out? 
on I'm a not, Friday night. That, that's look a hard, at the matchup lately, though. No, I know. I know. Look at the matchup lately. So what, what you're saying, though, is, listen, you can take Alabama and use this as an example. In a very favorable SEC schedule, blindly picking anybody to go undefeated is really, really hard. And you're not doing that. Very much so. It doesn't matter how good they are. I mean, even the Clemson discussion that we just had is is proof. Yeah, of Alabama. We we should mention, we should talk about Alabama's eleven and a half. I think you probably should take the under. Yeah, just probably in like, the SEC. It's just probably just a safe bet to to say that the SEC they, West is loaded this year. Like, yeah. And and if you say take the under on Alabama eleven and a half, you're not even, you're not saying Alabama can't win the national title. You're not saying Alabama can't win the SEC title. What you're saying is you think they're going to go eleven and one, win the West, and and. Win the SEC and I mean, play most the years title. they lose one game. Yeah, yeah. Last year was they were undefeated, but COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just thought I wasn't going to use it. Yeah. Also, they were they were incredibly stacked. I mean, that's <laughs> no. They only went undefeated because of, of COVID, Andy. <laughs> what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. So I think that there are there are only two teams in college football this year from that I saw that are eleven and a half, and the other ones that are in the eleven range: Ohio State, obviously, and they they play Oregon. Um, but those are the national championship contenders. And I think getting that hook there um, is kind of a, a statement from the lines makers here of who the teams are that are, are really, really good and which teams have. Like to me, the 11 and a half for Alabama means a heck of a lot more than the 11 and a half for Clemson. So like Alabama, I mean, I would I think I would just auto bet the under because of what they have on their schedule. Yeah, that's it really isn't saying anything derogatory about Alabama. It's just hard it to go into So back to yeah. North Carolina, though. You, if you assume that the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game's a loss, which, you know, maybe you, you can't assume that because North Carolina is pretty good. Um, but assuming well, that the I'm North taking the over Ari, so I'm good if they win it too. Okay. So, but so let's, let's, um, assume that they lose to Notre Dame, which isn't an assumption, but for this exercise, we'll assume you have to take every other, oh my God, I can't believe that happened game out of the window. You have to be perfect there to catch that. So I think I'm fine. When, they're, I think when you take the every if you game. take the over in the if you take the over in that you are glad to you know you have the the shield of, you're you're betting against a three loss team so that makes sense but here's the thing that's really interesting about the ACC to me and you tell me if I'm wrong there are multiple teams in the same type of sphere as North Carolina right now teams that are are pretty talented in certain spots but also are still trying to build towards something, and they're all doing it at the same time. So you have Multiple? Clemson. You, yeah, I think Miami's in that discussion. I think Florida State's in that discussion. No, um, I think Miami and North Carolina are in a discussion of their own. Clemson is its, its own category. Then Miami, North Carolina, then everybody else. Okay, Florida State, I guess in a year from now we can say that because their class they're putting together right now is awesome. So I guess it well, doesn't exactly. pertain to this, I, but they're I all think kind Norvell of is doing a good job, but they're not, yeah. they're not there right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would agree with that. Um, and it's funny because the opening line of the Florida state Notre Dame game, which is a, a week one matchup, I think is 10. So, or they're 10 point dogs against Notre Dame. Yeah. And I think I'd be inclined to take the points in that scenario. I don't know. Maybe I'm just drinking too much Florida state Kool-Aid. But I think that they will be a tougher out. But they're all these teams are all kind Remember, of the same. Remember, you're getting excited about players who aren't going to be there till 2022. No, no, I know, so. no. But I, I still think that you know a year or two in the system that they should be better than they were last year. Um, they should definitely be better, and and they they've used the transfer portal well. I'm not saying they won't be better. I'm just saying. But it's a three team race to catch Clemson, right? Yeah, yeah. They're not they're not ready. 
Yeah. Miami could be ready. But the thing is, North Carolina, the way Miami lost to North Carolina last year was so shocking and gives you pause when we're thinking about Miami because they just got annihilated. Yeah. Like, was it 62 to 25 or something? Yeah. I mean, North Carolina basically ran the same play over and over because Miami couldn't stop it, which is my favorite. I, I, I called Phil Longo. I think I texted Phil Longo after that game and was like, finally, an OC who just keeps running the thing that works. He's like, always. I always will. Yeah, so. yeah. You just that, – that's that's football in its purest form, right? Um, if you can't stop me, then you, you're going to lose. That's it. And I'm going to keep doing this yeah. until you stop me. But, I, you know, there's another another team in there that is tricky, and North Carolina doesn't have to play them, but BC. Like, there there are a few yes. – There are a few te- – I just feel like the ACC you know is why? like a four Every, – Everybody we came up with who's tricky is because of a quarterback. Right. Phil Yurkovic is why BC yeah. is tricky. But BC is also recruiting at the at a higher level uh, under Jeff Halfley right now, too. And I feel like the ACC in four years, I'm very excited to see who wins this four-team race. But that's not what we're talking about. I, um, I am. I Well, listen, if you remember 2016 in the ACC, where there were a lot of really good teams and a lot of really good players, it's getting back. To, it's going to get back to that. The last few years were down. It's going to be a really exciting conference to watch in the next few years. But we can't spend all day in the ACC. I want to hop over to the Big 12 because this is a team we talk about a lot uh, because both of us think the coach has done I mean, I think he's worked a miracle, to be honest. I don't know if there's another way to describe it. But what Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State is amazing. And the fact that we're sitting here talking about an Iowa State over-under of nine and a half wins is a testament to how good Matt Campbell has been. Nine and a half. I agree. Anybody who's listened to the show more than once uh, has heard me say something glowing, um, about Iowa State at least five times. Uh, I, I can't gush enough about them. I think in the same realm, I'm taking the under. Well, and I'll tell you, this, this is a game, there's a game I can't get out of my head, Ari. The loss to the Raging Cajuns last year. That's that, because you got to be able to not have those if you're going to get my confidence that you're going to be a double-digit win team. I don't know what the what the reason for this is, and it might be it's not this isn't backed up by data. So you tell me if you think I'm I'm wrong. The Big Twelve games always seem closer to me than every other conference. Like the middle of the run Big Twelve games, like the Iowa State West Virginia game, yeah, or the Iowa State Texas Tech game. Like all these games, there aren't a lot of gimme games. There's only one gimme game in the entire conference, in my opinion, and the rest, you know, pe- teams have a pulse. Oklahoma State has a pulse. Kansas State has a pulse. West Virginia, Texas Tech, TCU, those are all tough games. You know, and the fact of the matter is Iowa State plays uh, in a interconference rivalry with Iowa every year. So mm-hmm. the idea that – I think the idea of Iowa State getting to 10 wins um, is something that is certainly with, on the table. They've done it. But I'm very curious to see how Iowa State exists in the reality where the expectation is that they should be that good. And it's like Northern Iowa, that's a, that's a win week one. At UNLV, the other non-conference games, that's a win. But Iowa and then at Baylor, you know, these are all winnable games. But then you have Kansas State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas, all four in a row. And it's just like that's a tough stretch. And then you well, – Kansas State, Oklahoma State. What did I say? West Oklahoma? Virginia, Texas. 
You yeah, said Oklahoma Oklahoma State. But yeah. And then they yeah, close and, out and with they, Oklahoma and TCU to, to end yeah. the season. That's a and TCU's yeah. gonna be really you're good going this year. To, you're going to Manhattan. You're going to Morgantown. You're going to Lubbock. Now, Texas Tech hasn't been that good, but Lubbock also is a place where weird things happen. And and there can be weird wind and, and weird weather and like this is a very difficult schedule, the way it sets up. I agree. Up. I agree. I feel like every single individual game spread in the Big Twelve was just three. And they're like, and then and then basically it's just saying good in, luck. In games not involving Oklahoma or <laughs> Yeah, or and all the games not inv- involving Oklahoma or Kansas. And then it's just like, okay, good luck. And, and it's like most of the time it's less than a score. So winning ten means that you have to avoid uh, a landmine three times. Um and that means that you have to, you know, if you assume that they're going to lose to OU, that means you have to have to beat at least Texas um, or TCU to, to cover that bet without losing any unforeseeable games, which I have, it's just a hard thing to do. Exactly. It, it is very hard. So you're with me on now, the under? I am. I am. I just think the schedule is too hard. I agree. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It is hard for me to say you're going to win 10 games against this schedule. Could they? Yeah, absolutely they absolutely. could. But it, it's hard to bet on that. So let's move on to the Big Ten. Speaking of, of rugged schedules that start at 11, <laughs> start cranked up to 11. So the over-under for Penn State is nine. They open the season. You know, the Big Ten took a long time to get on board with the early season conference games, but now they are in it to win it with those things. Penn State opens in Madison against the Badgers. They have an over-under of, of nine. They get they have to go to Ohio State this year. They have to go to Iowa this year. Ari, this sounds very difficult to hit this over. Very, very difficult. Oh, oh by the way, Auburn comes to, to Penn State. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't they play Auburn? <laughs> um yeah. which will be a fun game to watch, by the way. I can't wait for that. Yes. Um I, I bet that's the whiteout. I don't know if I think about this the right way, but I th- I think that uh, Auburn is the Penn State of the SEC. Uh, talented and talented enough to to do to some do, major do stuff, some damage, but 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 un- but inconsistent. Yes, sounds about right. And also inexplicably beats their rival every now and then. Agreed. I don't. I don't think Auburn beating Alabama every once in a while is inexplicable, though. I think it's they have really good players, and sometimes they beat them. No, I know Penn State has really it's good probably, players too, but every time they they yeah. beat Ohio State, it's inexplicable. Yeah, well, the, but Ohio the gap with Ohio State feels different than the gap between Al, Auburn and Alabama, which I think is more of a testament to uh, Gus Malzahn than it is about the actual numbers, because I think the data would indicate that Ohio State and Penn State are closer together. Are closer, right? Yeah, or it, it's very, it's very close. I, I, I just always feel like there's a lot of similarities between those two teams. Um, anyway, so but Penn State gets it at home. Maybe it'll be a whiteout for an SEC matchup. They don't play Ohio State at home this year, um, but you know the fact of the matter is, is that they're they should be able to. Man, they have. I think in order to hit that, they have to win the opening game against Wisconsin. I think right now they're four point dogs. Yeah. Well, and, and now it'll be interesting. We don't know what Penn State's offense is necessarily going to look like. They, they, the Kirk Sharaka experiment lasted one COVID shortened year, and now they're on to Mike Yursich, who probably is a better, 
probably a better fit for what James Franklin wants to do and was one of the people James Franklin was considering and, and hoped to get, but then he went to Texas for the 2019 season. So, or excuse me, for the for 2020 season. So I, I don't know. I, I really feel like it comes down to how much has Sean Clifford developed? How comfortable is he in the offense? How good is that offense? I think, I don't know. The other part of this that, that makes it hard, Ari, is in, they got to play Indiana. Like, that's not a gimme game anymore. Indiana's like a not a gimme game at Iowa the following week. I don't think Michigan week. State's going to be a gimme game by that point in the season. Definitely not. Late November games in East Lansing are, are terrifying to travel to. I can't imagine what it would be to play it. And then the Michigan game, that could be a gimme by then, or it could be a really good in, in matchup. Also, yeah, we going have no to Maryland, they are. Maryland has been a team that gives Penn State trouble. And they're, they've got a lot of offensive skill. You know, I, I, would, yeah. I think I would, I would under this one. I think eight and four seems I, right. But I think, it, but, but that's, you know, outside of the, the betting piece of it, eight and four psychologically for, for Penn State gets, they get pretty frustrated after the year they had last year. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's just about how much you believe in Clifford. Well, and, and remember, Will Levis, who was the backup last year, is probably going to be the starter at Kentucky. So it's it's young guys after, or well, not all young, but inexperienced guys after after Clifford. Yeah, and they took a huge recruiting drop in, in last year's rankings, and the freshmen on your team shouldn't have a huge impact on that year, but that's going to come back to bite them at, one, at some point in the future. So, um, yep. you know, they've got some really good skill. They're tough to beat at home, especially de- depending on what the, the thing is, but I don't find this schedule to be particularly easy either. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got a first-year coach in Austin, Texas, named Steve Sarkeesian. 
The Texas over under is eight. Now, let's just clear our minds of the idea of what Texas should be because in our heads, Texas should be a team that wins double-digit games every year. That's that impossible, man. You can't clear – I can't clear my mind of that. That's all I think. I think about it before bed. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> like, you're the one who said Texas is a better job than Oklahoma, which it most certainly is not right now. So I know. I, I just – Clear your mind of what feels Texas is like supposed to be. a pretty good number. <laughs> I know, but like clearing your mind of what Texas is supposed to be is like the antithesis of what it is like to talk about them. Like, I don't even know what Texas is in a realm. If their logo in their helmet was something else, what would we even be talking about? Like, that's the whole we'd context. Be talking about a, we'd be talking about a team that Max Olsen made my head explode by explaining that their record since 2010 is basically the same as Nebraska's since 2010. I know. That's what makes this interesting. Uh, and so eight feels like the right number. Like it feels like they hit it right on the head. So what yeah, they eight, have to eight do. Eight and four is the type of season that would get you fired if you did it enough. So I think the right. idea of it is, is that if they are one of the most talent, I would take the over. It, it, here, I'm doing it again. I'm all in. Texas is back, baby. That means uh, they got to they got to beat the Raging Cajuns in the season opener. Yeah, and they have to go to Arkansas in week two. And I don't, that, I don't like that Arkansas game either. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah, and they've got TCU and Oklahoma back to back, and they've got road trips at Baylor and Iowa State back to back, and then they have. I the, also don't like it. I don't dude, like that's if, you have to go to, if you have to go to Morgantown this year. Like Morgantown scares me this year, dude. Andy, I didn't say this. I need to say this. October second at TCU. October 9th, uh, Red River. October 16th, Oklahoma State. October 30th at Baylor. That's a really tough month. Well, and especially since they can't seem to beat TCU. Yeah, and TCU is going to be, I think, the best version of itself of the past four years this year. I did the TCU state of the program, and they have a lot to like about them. And I don't know if you found yourself buying into every single team that you write about for the state of the program series we do on The Athletic. I don't, but I bought into TCU and what Gary Patterson was telling me. Yeah, I, I don't, but I can usually uh, you, you can usually get a real sense of when people are a lot more confident than they were. Like I did, I did the Mississippi State one recently, and I realized the SEC West is loaded. The, the win-loss column difference may not be huge just because of the level of competition they're playing. But they're going to be way better. I can tell you right now they're going to they're going to be a lot better. And so if you're confident in TCU being a lot better, that's a scary thing if you're Texas because you couldn't beat them when they were at their weakest. What? Well, let me ask you this: What is Texas's record for a successful year one for Sark? Nine and three. So I'm betting on Sark. I think he can. I think he can get there. I th- let me. This is the way I would put it. Texas has the talent, as we we know, and Tom Herman couldn't get the best out of that talent, which is why Tom Herman was fired. A new head coach comes in who just drove a Ferrari uh, 200 miles an hour um, in what he got out of Alabama's offense. But the general idea is that he is an offensive-minded uh, guy who can get the most out of his players, which was, coincidentally enough, Tom Herman's reputation when he took the job from Houston. But I trust that a coach – like him, who was just in Alabama's system, has the secret sauce or at least a a secret ingredient for what Nick Saban and Alabama did 
to get the most out of their players will translate the things that he learned to Texas. And I think Texas has a chance to get more out of the team that they have than they would have otherwise. So if that's the case, nine and three is not a great season for a Texas team that maxes their talent out. So if, if Sark is going to do it, I think nine and three is the benchmark. I think, I think the over here is the play you make. If you believe that Texas has a chance to be different with their new head coach. And I, uh, I don't know if it's one of these hills that I will just be doomed to die on, but I have so much confidence in Texas all the time, and I think I'm going to bite the bullet and do it again, man. <laughs> I am I am truly amazed at you, Ari. I, it's it's a blessing. It's going to happen one day, right? Like they are going to break through one day, or am I, are we going to be doing the Andy Staples saying, show in 2055? So long, Ari. I kept saying that over and over, and finally, I just look. You know what? Forget it. I cannot trust them. I just can't. I have to actually see them be good consistently. Do you think Sark is an upgrade from Herman? I don't know. Because I thought Charlie Strong was going to do well there. Like, I I thought Tom Herman was going to do great there. And Sark actually doesn't have a a staunch record as a head coach right now. No, I mean, he's... The other two came in with a better record as a head coach, though they'd had different jobs. I mean, listen... The situation Sark took over at Washington was pretty dire, and he made them pretty competitive quickly. This is not that. But this is very similar to what he took over at USC, and it's not like he was doing great. He he didn't get fired for losing, but if he kept going the way he was, he would have. You're not allowed to say, I don't know, on a podcast, right? I say it all the time. Okay, I'm going to say, it. I don't know. Good. I'm glad. I don't want you to BS everybody and, and just come no, up with but a take. I, I, I have a the, – the truth is I don't say something that I don't mean. I'm not one of those people. I know you don't. <laughs> I know. You, I, you, you know what? I'm going fish, over, man. The filet fish going. thing is real. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> I'm going over. I, I believe in Sark. Okay. okay. I believe in it. I, yeah. I don't know. I will, I will take the under until they prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, Longhorns. That's, that's what I ask. Prove me wrong because – I just can't believe you until you do it. Yeah, and that's fair. That's fair. All right. Last one. Over under eight and a half. Now, when I reveal the name of this team, because I don't think this is one we texted about. You didn't text me about this. this, Yeah. Yeah. When I reveal the name of this team to you, I want you to tell me if you are surprised at that number, if that number shocks you. Okay. LSU. It doesn't shock me, no. Okay. Why? I know that they got things going last year uh, towards the end, and they got back to 500. I know that this team is as talented as anybody in the country, but I think that there is, what is he said, eight and a half? Yeah. I mean, going through the schedule that they're going to have, you have to. They can go nine and three and you cash. It doesn't surprise me because there is a sense of I want to see Ed Orgeron do it again without Joe Burrow and Jefferson. And after they had a weird year again, COVID, whatever, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You got to get you got to get back off uh, off the mat and and get back up there again and doing that in the SEC is really hard. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, what I what, what I take, I don't I don't necessarily know the answer to that. Um but Listen, dude, right take now, the over. I'm telling I'm telling you right now, take the over. Okay. Well, cause you, um, you can, 
You can lose. You can lose to Alabama, Florida, and Texas A and M, or Auburn, Alabama, and Texas A and M. However you want to slice it up, you can lose three of those games. I. They're talented enough to beat any of these teams. Any of them. Oh, they're they're talented enough to beat all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so they close at you Texas can lose A&M. To three of them and still win the bet. So you said which three would you say? Yeah, which three do you think it'll be? Or who's the fourth, I guess is the question. Bro, that UCLA game's gonna be close. I'm going on record right now. If they didn't if they I'll didn't go on play, record too. If they didn't no, play, it you, isn't. If I they, sent, I sense our first bet of the season. I think that the spread is less than 10 points. The spread, which if you listen to our bonus podcast this week, you'll you'll hear a lot of talk about that. The spread is considerably less than 10 points. The oh, wait, no, it's like four, isn't it? Is shocking. Three and a half. Shockingly low. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's, well, okay. So that is even more so. I feel even better about, about saying that game's going to be close. It is not going to be close. You think it's going to be a blowout? Because that's another one that it's another one that you had on this list. You had UCLA at seven. I did. I did. That the so the same people who think UCLA will be within four and a half points of LSU think UCLA can go over seven. I don't know if they can or not. I am a believer in UCLA being better this year. Like you saw last season, they they are one of those teams that you look at what they did last season. Don't don't look at the record. Look at the scores. Like very close losses. Just right there every single time. They will be better this year. Their record will be better this year. Can I can I expand a little bit but, on why I think that? But that LSU team is going to be considerably better than it was last year, and it was already a lot more talented. You have some new coordinators, right? UCLA. You have some new coordinators at LSU. You know, yep. some guys that you know have to get in there and fix whatever went wrong last year, especially right, defensively. Mm-hmm. UCLA plays Hawaii in Week Zero, and we say yep. that. That a team makes what their biggest jump from week one to week two. Yep. It's at home, and that's not a great stadium to be at home at, but they're home. Right. There's real, no real advantage there for them. Yeah. But I think they're going to be considerably better. I do too. And I think that the circumstances I don't think of that, the game. I think, I think they can be considerably better than they were last year and not within four and a half points of LSU. What's the Andy Staples no, LSU UCLA line? Uh, LSU by 10. LSU by 13. Okay, so the game could be a six-point game in the fourth quarter, and then that wouldn't – would that constitute as, as close? That would be I'm close, not saying that and UCLA, right. LSU I, don't, could, I don't think that LSU, LSU could is cover gonna, a 13-point spread in a by scoring game. a touchdown with two minutes to go. Yeah, you'd be right. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, we have to – we can make a bet about this. And listen to me, I'm getting the best of it because the spread is three and a half. And if you if – you, <laughs> Like to me, not close means like thirty-five to fourteen. So, like, if well, a team loses okay. twenty-four to sixteen or twenty-four, I'll, I'll make it. I'll make it more than a two-touchdown spread. How's that? I'll give you fifteen. Okay. All right, we'll figure out what the stakes of the bet are, but I'm giving you fifteen on the LSU UCLA game. So I wish I could actually bet my money on it. Don't worry, you're you're betting my dignity. It'll, it'll be better. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, you can come up with the terms. But you're betting your own dignity too. Yeah, yeah. You can come up with the terms, uh, but that is a lot of points. I'm going to give you 15. Okay, I'm just and trying to wonder if that's like Andy to be lives in about SEC. the spreads in the other. Yeah. Okay. We're supposed well, to be talking about the game spreads in the other podcast, but 
Trust me, we're going to talk more about this. If you like this conversation, listen to the bonus podcast because we're going to have have a more okay. of it. Well, UCLA. Um, let me just let's just do the UCLA one to give people out here on one more. Season okay, off. go for it. Yes, okay. seven. So seven, Hawaii, LSU, Fresno State, Stanford, Arizona State, Arizona, Washington, Oregon, Utah, Colorado, USC, and Cal. I can find seven wins in there. I can find eight I, wins in there. But can you can you find eight? Is yeah, the question. I can find eight. Hawaii. Okay. I. I agree with you. I can also find yeah. eight in there. Yeah. I can also find I can also find six losses in there. Yeah. Depending on how things go. The question is it's just been that's so curious to me is is this. Is Chip Kelly washed? We're gonna find out this year. That's what we're gonna find out. Like his whole water the bamboo thing, like you, you know, you water the bamboo for mm-hmm. three years and nothing happens, and all of a sudden it shoots up. If they're a, an eight, nine win team this year. Because he's been building to this, and everything's now in place and it works, then then he's been exactly right. If they're a five and seventeen this year or a six and sixteen this year, I think you have to look the other direction. Yeah. Well, if the bamboo shoots up, that fifteen's hitting. So, see, that's the thing: the bamboo can shoot up, and LSU can still roll. Yeah. Yeah. So. We'll we'll find out. I, that that I, felt good though, Andy, didn't it? Did that feel good? That was that, that Ari. Was, we talked about football for an hour. It was awesome. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's it's coming, guys. It's it's so close. And again, if you want to hear us talking spreads of those early week games, we are going to do that in our bonus episode. Uh, you got to subscribe through Apple Podcasts. It's a buck a month. You get an extra podcast a week. You know, it's just a question for the price of a stick of gum. Do you, do you want to hear me and Ari banter back and forth and bicker? And I think you do. I agree. I think you do. <laughs> but even if you don't, we love you anyway. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you later.